Blog Talk Radio. Well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen, across the country. It's Saturday. It's 10 a.m. straight up on the West Coast, 1 o'clock wherever you are, high noon in Chicago. It's Standing Above the Crowd podcast, hosted by my friend, a brother, a mentor, James Donaldson. Yours truly producing it out here in Los Angeles, Mark Mancini, 347-205-9631. You can catch the archive version on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mancini Sports. 30 minutes goes by quick. Or catch it on your uh, podcast that you subscribe to, powered now by Mancini Media. So without further ado, it's more him, less of me. Let me lay the red carpet down, put the podium in its place, hand off the mic. James, first of all, how are you? Second of all, how can people get a hold of you? Third of all, another great legend bringing on your show. Hey there, Mark. Uh, good morning to you. I'm doing just great. Uh, beautiful up here in the Pacific Northwest, as you know, and I know you're down in the L.A. area, so hopefully you guys are having a fantastic weekend as well. Uh, you know, things are well. The show, the podcast is going great. Week after week, we have great, outstanding guests that everyone seems to just enjoy listening to and and submitting their questions that we can ask them of. Uh, and today, without any any exception, is another great guest I'll introduce in just a sec. People can get a hold of me at jamesd at standingabovethecrowd.com. That's my email. One of my personal emails comes straight to me. Uh, shoot me an email, give me your comments on the show, good, bad, or indifferent, uh, some thoughts and suggestions on guests you would like to see in the lineup coming up. We'll reach out to them and get them on board as well. But you can join in with us every week, every weekend, Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We are here kicking this show off and having a great, great time with it. So, uh, today, without any further ado, is uh, a good friend of mine and a NBA colleague. I played against him for several years in the NBA. Uh, he he came right after me at Washington State University. I graduated in '79 from WSU. He came in, I think, the following year and had a great uh, three years there. Uh, outstanding uh, playmaker, guard, shooting guard, six uh, six. Uh, and had a great, outstanding NBA career, mainly with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, today, our great guest is going to be Craig Elo from WSU and from the NBA. Craig, how are you this morning? I am doing great, James. Thanks for having me. I just uh, was looking forward to this after you um, texted me a few days ago. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, it, you know, and that's the nice thing about our NBA family, our basketball family that we have we're all just uh you know a text message or phone call away from each other or one or two text messages or phone calls so this is the family you know we are that rare uh exceptional group that made it to the nba of the uh hundreds of thousands of kids who try it every year or wish they could do it you know we're one of the very privileged few that got there uh a lot of it by our athletic skill but a lot of it some some good lady luck and lady fortune smiled on us and we kept on going. So uh, I'm just so happy to have you here. And also you're a WSU Coog. So I got to give a shout out to our <laughs> Coog family. Go Cougs. We got a lot of yep. them up here listening. Northwest. They love it up here. Uh, and so, Hey Craig, why don't you give us, 
you know, take us back to your WSU days. How did you get recruited there from Texas, I believe you came from, to the right. Pacific Northwest? Uh, you played for one of my all-time great people, George Raveling, as I did as well. Yep. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about that experience. Uh, so coming out of high school in uh, my hometown of Lubbock, Texas, um, James, I was probably 6'6 and weighed about 150 pounds probably. I was just one long, tall, skinny, uh, bony kid, but uh, I just wasn't ready for D1 basketball uh, at, physically at that time. Uh, I went to Odessa Junior College, which was just south of my hometown, and uh, played two years there. And uh, Coach Raveling had uh, recruited uh, from my conference that I was in before and uh, had gotten a couple of good players. And I believe Harold Rhodes, uh, and I'm sure you know him, James, from Washington State, was uh, – he played at Amarillo College, which was in our conference. So Coach Raveling was very familiar with with that conference. And uh, he was actually recruiting a kid that transferred from Gonzaga uh, down to Western Texas – and uh, they, uh, I think Coach no, Coach Edwards had come to watch a game, and uh, they were watching him, and and uh, they just kind of noticed me in that game too. So they started recruiting me, and then of course I fell in love with Washington State because Coach Rattling was just the ultimate uh, recruiter. I was getting you know a letter a day, uh, stuff from him, you know about the school and, and about the conference and. You know what won me over was on my trip. Uh, they played UCLA. There was twelve thousand people in that uh, in Beasley or Frill Court, and yeah. uh, it was a close game, nip and tuck. And uh, I was just like, "This is what I want to do." And then I guess the final uh, nail in the coffin was uh, Coach Ravelin told me that uh, uh, that he if I came that. Uh, he, I'd get the uh, chance to beat UCLA and win the Pac-10 conference. And that's exactly what sold me on, on Washington State. And, of course, uh, the rest is history. I met my wife there. Uh, we met my junior year and got married in 85. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a great, exciting time when Coach Raveling uh, was recruiting me. He was just, like I said, the, the best recruiter. Yeah, and I can say all the same things about Coach Rav, Coach Coach Edwards, Coach Puglisi, all those guys were just wonderful people in my life, too. Um, now, you, I think there were several of my old teammates, I was a year ahead of most of the guys I played with, who you played with, uh, the Don Collins, uh, Stuart right. House, and those guys. Who, who were some of your teammates that you played with? So, uh, Terry Kelly, Don Collins, Stuart House, uh, Brian Rice and those guys went to the NCAA tournament in 1981 with Coach Raveling <clears throat> and mm-hmm. uh, lost in, in the first round. And then I came uh, the year after they all graduated, and okay. my team uh, had five, sen- five seniors on that team. Uh, myself, Guy Williams, who was uh, yeah. a transfer from, from USF after they kind of got in trouble. He transferred to Washington State, and he was he was the next Magic Johnson. He was the first-round pick, but he tore his ACL in, the, in our fourth game in the, in the Pac-10 conference. But we had Steve Harriel, a uh, great 6'6 six, six or 6'7 six, athlete. And uh, my actually my uh, 
uh, roommate for both years I was at Washington State, Chris Winkler, was just like Terry Kelly, you know, a great shooter, uh, great IQ. Uh, you know, we ran that transition, and he, he kind of got to that either corner, uh, and he was free to shoot, and he was a great shooter. And then uh, we just had a pretty good bench uh, that was uh, from a freshman class. We had like four freshmen that, that played a lot of minutes that year. But we finished yeah. 23 and 7. We lost to Virginia in the second round of the, of the NCAA tournament. And uh, it was just a great experience. And we almost won the Pac 10, but we lost to the Huskies, James, the uh, last game, 76 uh, to 75 over at Heck Ed. And earlier in the day, UCLA had lost. And so all we had to do was beat the Huskies. And, of course, you know what happens in a rivalry game. They weren't going anywhere, but uh, we were going to get, definitely go to the dance. But um, they kind of spoiled our, our Pac-10 uh, hang-a-banner uh, conference in, at Frill Court. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and that, that interstate rivalry still exists very strong to this day. Uh, basketball this year, especially, but also with football. I mean, the Apple Cup is a huge thing oh. in the state of Yes, yeah, big time, big time. So, yep. uh, yes, I played I played with some of your teammates, uh, Terry Kelly, uh, Steve Harriel. Uh, I don't know if Aaron Haskins was still there or not, oh, but Aaron yes. was around. Aaron yep. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yep. Yes, yeah, so I played with uh, several of your, your teammates who – I was a little bit ahead of, and they were in between you and me. So that's that's a yep. wonderful, wonderful. Now, now from WSU, uh, you you graduated. You got drafted in the NBA draft. Uh, who drafted you, and what team did you start out with, and how did that go? Well, I was uh, kind of like you, James. I meant uh, Coach Ravlin talked about uh, how you progressed from a freshman to your senior year, and then uh, wind up getting drafted. Be uh, because of your size and shot blocking uh, ability, uh, so you had a, a, a you know a lot of lot to do with what uh, or how I got to the NBA. Because uh, every day at practice, Coach Ravlin was always using you as an example about your work ethic and and uh, mm. just the things that you did to to get yourself to the NBA. So um, after my senior year and after we lost to, to Virginia in that second-round game, uh, he started. He sent me to three places, Port Smith, Lewistown, Montana, and um, the Chicago pre-draft camp, uh, all by the hand of Coach Wilkins or Coach uh, Ravlin getting me there. And I got wow. noticed a little bit more by the scouts, and I was the, a third-round pick. Uh, the 48th players selected uh, at Houston, uh, and they were kind of rebuilding. They had gotten the first uh, pick in the draft that year in 83 uh, with Ralph Sampson, and then they took Rodney McRae with a three-pick, three, uh, three pick, and then I was the next uh, behind uh, those two guys for Houston. So I spent three years in Houston, uh, kind of ran, ran its course there, uh, you know as well as I do. You can be expendable uh, at, in the NBA. And, yeah, so I was going to um, – I thought I was going to get another year in Houston, but they waived me. And uh, it was a great uh, blessing in disguise that they waived me because I spent seven years in Cleveland after they picked me up uh, after a 10-day contract. So uh, that seven years, uh, we, were, we were a team of the 90s with Brad Doherty, Larry Nance, Hot Rod Williams, Mark Price, Ron Harper, 
Uh, it was just a great, and Coach Wilkins was our, our coach, uh, and uh, he led us uh, from, you know, all those guys were rookies in, like, I think, 86, 87. You know, we won, like, 30 games that year, and the next year we won, you know, 40, and then the next year we won 50, and then we got close to 60, but we never got it. But uh, we played Chicago just about every time in, in uh, those seven years <laughs> that I was in Cleveland, and we were never fortunate enough to get past them. So uh, yeah. we kind of gave up uh, on that, that team, and Coach Wilkins resigned. He went to Atlanta, and so be it. I was a free agent that year. Um, and I was lucky enough to, to sign uh, with Atlanta for three years, and then I finished my career uh, in uh, the team that I believe that drafted you, right, James, the Sonics. The Sonics, that's right. That's my team, yeah. Yep. Mm, fantastic, fantastic. Now, I, I, of course, I, I remember playing against those great uh, Cleveland Cavs back in the 90s, now <laughs> in the 80s. <laughs> in the 80s, it was a whole different story back then. They, they, they were oh, like yeah. – 500 people in the stands uh, uh, back in the 80s. <laughs> they called them the cadavers, James. I remember the Cleveland that, yeah. Cadavers. yeah. You you guys built them and brought them a long, long way. And now, now they're back being competitive again. And, of course, when LeBron James was there, went through there, they were very competitive. So, yeah, they've had their ups and downs. It's good to see them up again. Uh, now, yeah. Craig, we can't go too far into the interview uh, without talking about one of the most iconic moments in NBA history, <laughs> and you were part, you were part of that, of course. <laughs> uh, you talk about the Cavs trying to get by the Bulls, uh, very similar to us Dallas Mavericks trying to get by the Showtime Lakers at the same time. Right. Uh, we we could never get by them, but uh, tell us about the shot. The shot heard round the world, part two, basically, uh, where you're guarding Michael Jordan. Uh, the clock's ticking down, and you take it from there. What What did you What do you remember about that? Oh, uh, it, it was incredible, James. Um, that year, I believe we won 57 ball games, and Chicago was in our division. And as you know, uh, we we played them six times, and we yeah. beat them all six times we dominated them and uh so yeah we're in the first round uh of the 88 uh 89 playoffs and i mean i like the way they do it today too where it's it's the best of seven but uh back yeah. in our days james it was you know best of five so chicago mm-hmm. comes to cleveland steals a game from us we win the next one we go back to chicago uh the old chicago stadium was a great place to play uh, it was just uh, like balconies packed on top of each other and 17,000 mm. people probably. And uh, they won the third game. And uh, then so that forced us, uh, to, uh, you know, to play uh, to keep the series going uh, to win that fourth game, which uh, we got lucky where Michael missed a, a free throw at the end of the game that could have iced it. Brad Doherty goes ah. down and scores. And we go back to Cleveland for a Sunday afternoon game uh, on NBC, or on at CBS, I'm sorry, was uh, the, the network that had us then. And we had 21,000 people at Richfield Coliseum. And it was wow. so much energy in that building. And the game was just went back and forth the whole game. And it basically came down to the last six seconds where 
before that, Michael had hit a, just a, like a like a short mid-range shot uh, that put them up 99 to 98. And uh, so with six seconds left, um, Coach Wilkins calls timeout. We advance the ball. And you know as well as I do how, how great uh, of a coach Coach Wilkins was. He drew up the best play ever ever designed. Uh, we had a, a couple of stars that year, actually three stars. Well, four probably with Larry. Uh, but, yeah, he put Mark Price on the far corner. He put Brad Doherty at the top of the key. He put Ron Harper uh, at the at just a, a, at the wing over there. They set a double yeah. screen for for Mark, so everybody was knowing thought that the ball was going to Mark. Larry was on the post on the on the side that I was throwing the ball in, and he uh, Coach Wilkins. I remember him in the huddle say, "Just throw it up to Larry." So, uh, and as soon as you throw it to him, cut to the basket. And uh, if Larry can get it to you, he will. If not, he's got a Mark Price coming off of a double screen. He's got Brad Doherty going into the paint. And lo and behold, uh, it was the best give and go that uh, ever happened in the NBA. I go, and he gives me the ball, and I score, um, but left three seconds on the clock. And that put us up 100 to uh, 99. And then – With three seconds left, uh, Collins, Doug Collins, the coach of the Bulls, calls timeout. Of course, they advance the ball. Uh, We go out after they draw up their play, and we know every who's going to get the ball. Uh, I meant Michael Jordan is. So we double teamed him with Larry Nance in front and me behind him, and uh, Michael kind of juked Larry to the to mid court. And that's where we wanted him to go was towards midcourt, but Larry kind of jumped on it, and it made him go to the wing, and uh, he caught the ball on the wing and uh, left me kind of high and dry uh, on an island uh, trying to guard him. And so I sprinted out to the wing to try to get on him because I thought he would shoot it there. But as soon as I sprinted out, he took uh, two hard dribbles, winded up at the free throw line and uh he, he stops on a dime goes up for his jumper and i was playing catch up defense on that so i wasn't really sliding uh in a defensive yeah. stance and so when i jumped to to contest the shot uh it was just like that et uh moment going across the sky with the moon i flew right <laughs> by him he hung in the air uh, uh, until I got by him, and he nails a 15-foot jumper that breaks our hearts. Uh, and that building was so loud, James. The Richville Coliseum, like you said, when I first got there, yeah, they had 500 people in, in the stands, but um, <laughs> they supported us, and it was so loud. And as soon as he hit that yeah. shot, it went deathly quiet. And, uh, yep. of course, um, I, after I saw the ball go in, I kind of just in, in, in uh, you know, heartbreaking mode just fell to the ground because and, and, we were the better team. But uh, they had Michael Jordan, and, of course, he, he stops and has that moment of fist bump. And, yeah, history um, has kept that uh, shot. That was kind of like Michael's first really iconic like the 63 point game as a as a rookie uh against right. the Celtics um you know but this one uh propelled them to the second round 
And um, yeah, it kind of changed the courses of both uh, of both franchises. Chicago goes on to win three championships after that, and then um, we just we played them. Like I said, five of the seven years I was in Cleveland, we lost to to the Bulls in the playoffs. So uh, yeah, it was just it was heartbreaking. But you know what? I remember uh, everybody asking me like afterwards, like. And it did hurt. I mean, it it hurt badly because, um, like I said, we were the better team. But um, you know, it, you know, it was hard to watch uh, the playoffs after that. And everybody thought, like, oh, Craig's gonna go. You know, in Cleveland sports at that time, there was a, a thing called the catch. Uh, Willie Mays uh, kind of caught yeah. one over his shoulder uh, against the Indians in the early '50s. And yes. the drive by John Elway um, against the Browns the next year, the fumble, and now they've added the shot <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to the to the bad things that happened to Cleveland sports. And uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I, I just remember specifically calling my dad. He was like my best fan and uh, he was just like, you know, don't, th- don't worry about this. Just let it go. Keep going, playing, keep chugging away. Uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, you, you, everybody's probably gonna, you know, say like, it'll, it, you, you couldn't get over it or whatever, but you know what? They weren't there. They weren't the one in the huddle, uh, in your, in your huddle when coach Wilkins said, all right, Elo, you know, this is what we're going to do. You got Michael. Uh, he, he just, he really made it sound great. So as, as heartbreaking as it was and, and that we never got past them, um, you know, it was it was like he said. Uh, um, you know, people that would say something to me about it. Uh, you know, like, oh, you should have just you know done this or that. But uh, my dad really helped me get uh, through that moment with uh, his fatherly advice and and fatherly love. So, uh, but we never got past him. But uh, going uh, went down to Atlanta. Got to play with a superstar uh, there. You remember Neek, right? Dominique Wilkins. Of course, yes. Great yeah. teams too. Yeah. Yep. Why well, you are bringing back a lot of memories, and you know, and, and we've <laughs> both been there and done that. On, 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 you know, we've been on the winning side of things too, but on the losing side, or you know, the not winning side, uh, numerous times playing against these great players we played against. Uh, hey, we've got about seven, eight minutes left. Uh, give us okay. three or four, three or four minutes about today's NBA playoffs. How how you think it's shaping up, and then finish it up with what you're doing post basketball career with your life nowadays. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, uh, definitely watch the playoffs. Don't watch a lot of games during the season, but um, uh, I, I love the playoffs because it, it kind of escalates uh, the intensity. Uh, of the game from the regular season. Uh, I watched that game last night with uh, Giannis uh, uh, and, uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan with the Bulls. Uh, and Brooklyn, you know, has Kevin and Kyrie. Actually, Kyrie helped uh, kind of ease the pain of, of the Cleveland sports fans with that uh, shot he hit against the, the Warriors to win that 2016 uh, NBA championship. Yeah, so uh, it was. Uh, I love watching the playoffs. I, I love the intensity. Uh, the players today, 
you know, I was lucky, James, after um, I'd uh, left uh, the NBA in 97, uh, Nike, uh, and of course, uh, I'm pretty sure you might uh, know this, but uh, Coach Raveling was a Nike guy from day one, and uh, sure. so um, they asked him to change uh, – their summer camps for college players and high school players because all they did was like have a camp and play games every day and coach uh, uh raveling took over that so i did that for seven years and was fortunate enough to play our we had like point guard camp and then we had like a, a big camp at the end of it uh, but Kyrie, uh kevin durant all of those guys went through that nike skills uh, academies. So, I, you know, I, I don't know them personally, but I was in camp with them uh, through those seven years, saw a lot of great players uh, go on uh, that are, are all in the NBA now. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, I'm just amazed at how athletic these um, these teams are oh, yeah. and the parity across um, uh, the NBA uh, landscape is in, is incredible. And I, I just love that, uh, you know, the, the arenas are, are sold out and, you know, the playoffs bring just like a different uh, mental uh, mentality. And uh, I just, like I said, I can't, I sit in my chair and watch game after game and, what these guys do athletically, James. I thought we were athletic. Now, uh, yeah. you know, Coach Raveling used you uh, uh, a lot uh, in 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 all of our practices and and just the, uh, about how you worked so hard uh, mm-hmm. to get uh, to where you got. I mean, you were seven two uh, and a great shot blocker and a, a great post up player. Uh, so. Um, uh, he was always telling us, you know, well, James did this or James did that to, to get where he was. And then you go on and play, what, 16, 17 years uh, in the NBA. So, yeah. So, I mean, the the era that we played in, I thought was the golden era because it was, you know, the burden and magic and Michael Jordan. And then uh, at the end of my career, it was Shaq and Penny and, uh, those guys, but yeah, these, these teams today are so loaded. And, uh, my good friend uh, that I played four years with in Cleveland, Steve Kerr, uh, you know, coaching the Warriors. Oh, get this. Sure. So we had Del Curry. We traded, uh, Mel Turpin, uh, to Utah for Kent Benson and, uh, Del Curry. So, uh, Del was on my Cleveland's, t- uh, team. Uh, played two years with him, and then we lost him in the expansion draft to Charlotte because uh, we didn't protect him, and that was probably the silliest thing we uh, Cleveland did. But uh, mm. Steph was born the same year my daughter was born. So oh, I wow. Steph as a baby, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, you know, he had green eyes and that curly, nappy hair. Uh, and right. um Yep, so uh, it, it's kind of fun, you know, watching him because uh, Dell being a teammate, um, but uh, uh, in Cleveland, and I don't know, James, they're just they're so good at um, uh, you know shooting threes. I mean, everybody uh, in the in the world 
how many threes did you take in your long career? Well, <laughs> absolutely zero. <laughs> zero. <laughs> you never got to shoot out there, huh? Oh, but, I knew uh, I knew my lane. I, I knew my lane. I stayed in my lane. <laughs> <laughs> you stayed in your lane. <laughs> That's, That's hilarious. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, well, know, wrap, wrap us up, Craig. Wrap, wrap us up, uh, Craig, with what you're doing nowadays. We've got about a minute and a half left. Go ahead and tell us what you're doing okay. nowadays. Well, yeah. uh, I love uh, watching Clay Thompson, the WSU Cougar, too, uh, with the sure. Warriors. But uh, so after basketball, my my youngest was born in in '96. Uh, my wife had gone through the, the you know raising kids by herself pretty much uh, in basketball season. Uh, so mm-hmm. I kind of took two years off. Uh, we moved to Spokane, which is uh, where my wife was born and raised. And uh, we built our house and raised our kids in in Spokane. I coached high school uh, at Rogers High School in Spokane for for three years. Uh, Then I got the opportunity to be on Gonzaga's um, basketball broadcast um, when they started uh, getting good. Did that for seven years. Uh, It parlayed into two years as the Sonics TV uh, guy, Marcus Johnson, had – gotten another yes. job and, and left. So I got to do Sonics TV for two years. And uh, after that, um, I got signed uh, by, uh, I think it was versus the Mountain West Conference and uh, did some Pac-10 games uh, on TV broadcast and then kind of stepped away from that because uh, mm-hmm. we thought about uh, winter wintering in, in Arizona. And, uh, but uh I got the opportunity to be uh, hired by WSU uh, for their radio broadcast. I've done that the last three years. Wonderful. Well, we've got 30 seconds left. I want to say thank you so much, Craig, coming on, taking us down memory lane. I can tell <laughs> you have one of those team analytical basketball minds that just can paint the picture for everybody to see. So thank you so much yeah. for being our guest today. Uh, everybody, this is what we're all about. We bring you to you from great, great people, great players throughout their careers, and letting them tell the story as they see fit. So please join us next week again. And I am James Donaldson, Standing Above the Crowd podcast, coming to you every Saturday. And please send me an email of your thoughts on today's show. We'll be back at you next week, okay? Have a great week, everybody. Thanks so much, Greg. Yeah, thank you, James. I appreciate it. You got it.